Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined by Dan, give me my Bieber Kruger. Boom, I got Bieber Fever. Mm. Is that a thing people say? Yeah, yeah. they still say they it say for that? sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have should that we give good context authority. or should we just move on and pretend like that didn't I don't happen? think context is needed. Let's move on. But yeah, I'm moving right through. <laughs> <laughs> so that is your... That is your witty banter for this week, people. Let's get straight to the topic at hand, um, which Dan doesn't really know what we're going to talk about. Mm-mm. And in full transparency, I'm not even certain what we're about to talk about. However, our listeners, they they clicked on this episode and probably the title is somewhat leading. So they, they have, you right now, listener, have a better idea what we're about to talk about than we do. Think about how weird that is for a second. It is weird. Yeah, enjoy that little. Nugget. I think like it's a trap. It's like a I'm time getting travel. the urge to flee. It's a time is travel that... story. Well, I mean, you, I'm you waiting. can't flee. We... I, the door is over there, and I'm I see literally it. in your I'm way. watching it until yeah. you say what we're doing here. I'm I... ready to bolt. Let me say this. Mm. Um, so, I, this must have been a comedian, but this was also this also happened at Escape. So when we were arranging the manufacturing floor. Like we had to be really cognizant of like fire hazards and like things like that. Mm-hmm. And at one point, one of my employees asked a question about so-and-so's cubicle and how if there was a fire, would he be in the way? <laughs> and I was like, if you have two legs in a fire scenario, mm-hmm. you're never in the way. You're going to be fine. Like, He's not going to be there. He's not going to. He's not going to be blocking the door. He's he's going to be through the door and, and gone. Um, I don't know what any of that had to do with this. I still don't know. It just. <laughs> I just remember that now, though, like very distinctly. Like somebody was genuinely worried that Bill and like the bill was just Bill and would, the bill was going to sit in front the of the door and not move. I mean, like, Bill, must have Bill been didn't even have a chair. So they were afraid Bill was going to stand in front of the door in a fire emergency. And I was like, is this real? I think Bill needs a raise because that implies he's going to freaking Bill's work going down with the building. No matter what. <laughs> I like Bill. I was like, Bill's never even at his workstation anyway. People are fine. <laughs> like, anywho, we got to take these these things seriously. So what is our topic today? I'm uh, Jones in to find out. Uh, let's Jones a little bit longer. And how about instead mm. of telling you what we're going to talk about, how about you tell me your bad investing advice? Well, lead berry action. Okay. Lead That's berry? <laughs> Is that like a poison berry? It sounded better in my head before it came out of my mouth. Now it just sounds like a weird fruit. That's it's probably the, poisonous. It's a lead berry. Don't yeah, eat don't, the lead berries. No, that'll, that'll kill you. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get serious. Let's get down to business. Um, don't buy the top of the market. That's my advice for you today. Are Not- you 
Do not what? buy the top of the market. That sounds like pretty damn good advice, right? How could you know? Is this really a time travel episode? Because like the only way you can ever know you're at the top is if you're looking back in time. Well, that's right? true. No, I think what I'm implying here is that if you're at all-time highs, that's not a good time to buy. I think a lot oh, of people yeah, have yeah, that yeah, perception. Yeah. Okay, there. I get that. And this is stemming from a lot of questions that, that uh, we get as new potential investors come into our, our sphere. We have conversations with them, and they ask us you know, pretty frequently, hey, like, how are you guys making deals work? We're in this hot market. It's been hot for a long time. I'm going to try to say hot one more time just for no good reason. Uh, but this is a common question because a lot, I think a lot of people are coming from a single-family home perspective. They haven't invested in multifamily before, and they're thinking, why at you know these historically high price points, all-time highs, are you guys still buying things? Um, how's that work? And my answer is um, we get things off market, right? The key to doing well is you know there's going to be opportunities in very strong markets, at the top of the market, there's going to be opportunities at the bottom of the market, probably a heck of a lot more at the bottom of the market. It's a lot easier, but there's opportunities throughout the entire cycle, throughout the entire real estate cycle. And so the key to doing well isn't to stand on the sidelines just because we're at all-time highs. It's to buy things for less than their market price. And if you can add value in some way, that just helps the scenario. But we're able to buy things at prices below market rate largely do the relationships that we've curated over the years. But if you can get something at the right price and it's got the right amount of upside, you could be at all-time highs and still do pretty damn good, even if there's a turn in the market, I'd argue. What do you think of them apples? Mm. 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 To, uh, to Is that an apple or a lead berry? Honey, I don't know, crisp. but it's tasty. It's tasty. I'm, 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 I'm chewing on it. I'm chewing, and here's, here's my deep, insightful takeaway. I agree. I think uh, I agree. Listen, real estate is not a game that you wait to buy. Mm. You buy, then wait. Is that de- does that sound as deep and provocative as I, as I was hoping it did? No, it's been used okay. a lot. Yeah, it's heard it, but it's but true. But it it, true. at the end of the day, like true. buy buy something for less than its than its last less than its book value. Mm-hmm. Buy a thing for less than its worth, and you're going to do okay. Yeah, I actually heard a <laughs> like, clip of uh, of Buffett talking from his um, uh, shareholder meeting. I think it was like last weekend. Pretty sure. Oh, he's so on the crypto train. People, buckle up. We're going to crazy town. That's not. The no, no, I'm thinking of Michael Saylor. Never mind. Yeah, that's not okay. the vibe I got at all. <laughs> They're still pretty consistent. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. There was a, a comment in there. Someone had asked a question, something along the lines of like, "How did you guys know not to be buying at this point? And how did you guys know to sell at this point?" And um, he buying. said something simply that like he he and Charlie never know what the market's going to do. They're not buying because they think the market's going to go up, and they're not selling because they think the market's going to go down. They do something very simple over and over and over again. They look for things that are trading for less than their book value. Right, that works in good markets and bads. They don't look at, they don't try to project what the market's going to do. They just go and they try to find something that's worth a buck and buy it for ninety cents, eighty cents, fifty cents, whatever it is, and that works throughout any market cycle. So even Buffett's on board. One of, one of the really funny stories about Warren Buffett is, and Charlie Munger is, I can't remember which which uh, company this was, but they were like evaluating a, a company that they wanted to invest in, and they knew they knew they had a slamming good deal because. <laughs> the assets, like the physical assets of the business could have been sold for more than what that business was currently trading at. 
That's really common, actually. Yeah. And you think about that, you're like, forget the business. Like, the business could shut up shop right now. We could just sell all its stuff, and it would be worth more, like the machinery and all the, the infrastructure, like that type of stuff. Yeah. And so it's like, regardless of how hot the market is, you have to be looking for those opportunities where there's price disequilibrium. There's an opportunity because for whatever reason, this thing you can get it at a rate that is below market expectation or like what that somebody else could get it. So yeah, I think it's always about regardless of where the market is, you don't know. That's, that's my big takeaway. This is all a time travel episode. And unless you can come back from the future and tell me what's going to happen in the next three years and how the market's going to go up and down, like we, we won't know until it's happened. And so you can't, you can't plan for that. All right, you ready to pull out the the, the I'm lead berry? Still work. You ready to pluck some lead berries off the bush? Yes, please. Okay, big juicy one. Here's our topic for the day, which the listeners at home have already known. Um, it is three ways to de de risk an investment. Mm. However, Dan does not know what these three ways are. I have pulled them out of the sky, and so let me ask you before I even before I even tell you what these three are and we kind of unpack them for the listeners off the top of your head mm-hmm. what are three ways to de-risk an investment uh number one add time okay number two number two um is the purchase price variable or is that already fixed can i play with that you do whatever you want all right uh buy something for less than it's worth today okay that's good that's a really good one tying that back God, uh you so went full circle add good. time <laughs> buy it for less than it's worth uh add value um, no, like, let me change that. I'm going to have a different one for the third. De risk. Um, don't over leverage or reduce leverage. Okay. I like it. I like it. Those are all three really good reasons, uh, ways to de risk an investment. And we could spend an entire episode on those, but instead, we're going to spend our entire time on these. Um, now that I'm looking at them, worse ways to de risk an investment. <laughs> all right. So, number one, do it a lot. <laughs> I'm not mature enough for this I know, one. I, I can't, know. I can't um, handle this. What, what do you What do you hear when I say do it a lot? Uh, this is where I lie. So, <laughs> um, I've I've kind of had this little soundbite that I've used quite a bit over the years. Uh, something along the lines of, uh, the more times you do a thing, um, the better the the risk profile gets, or the, the lower the risk profile gets. It kind of implies that you get practice, you get better at it, you learn the pitfalls. Um, you learn, you know, what, what could go wrong. You learn what you did right that you can do again. You learn what you did wrong that you can avoid doing. You just, you get better. So, mm-hmm. you know, doing something over and over again, you don't have to worry about being the new guy. In the room yeah. Once you've done it 50, 60 times. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I think repetition improves skill and investing in real estate is a skill in a large, if you want to go and add value or just buy it below value, like this is a thing that requires uh, Warren Buffett's going to be way better at evaluating a, a business than I am because he's done it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we're big fans of just hyper-focusing on an asset class. We like multifamily, hyper-focusing on a market, like over and over and over, we just do the same thing in our market all day long. And every time we do it, we become incrementally better, theoretically. And therefore, that investment, our previous investments, which we, which we still hold, and our future investments all become less risky because our skills, our capabilities are improving. Yeah, the probability of us screwing up theoretically should go down. I think. Yeah, it sounds right. It's, it's like an asymptote where, like, it's gonna, it's gonna, like, start to level. Never gets up. to zero. It never gets there, but it, it it's gonna close. hover. It's gonna get real close. So close. That's our, that's our goal is to be the asymptote of uh, Minneapolis investing. 
It's got an interesting <laughs> sound to it. That's pretty, that's pretty fun. Okay, uh, how about this one? Mm. Do it at home. No? Is that... Um, so number one was do it a lot. Number two yeah. is do it at home. Yeah, your your way of uh, wording is <laughs> distracting me wait, from real estate. Wait until you get to the third one. <laughs> All right, I see I see where you're going here. Um, play play in your home court. Right? Is yes. that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, invest in your backyard. Um, invest locally where you live or where a partner or someone on your team has some uh, specialized knowledge about that area. Yeah. Um, honestly, like makes a lot of sense. it's not even just about the location, like physically. I also think about this and like doing it where you, where, you know, like what, you know, do stick to what, you know, yeah. where, you know, it And your backyard is a place that you know, really well, you, your hand is the thing that you know, really well. So like stick to those things that you know, really well. It's another Warrenism or yeah. Buffettism or thing that Warren Buffett says. Yeah. And I think <laughs> it's over, it's overlooked, but mm-hmm. play where you have a unique advantage. And that's, that's maybe the big takeaway of this whole, this whole episode is that, successful investors figure out what their unique edge is. And instead of just going and investing in an index fund that kind of like plays to the entire market average and then gets average returns as a result, like if you want to exceed that, you have to have some unique edge, something that makes you better. Mm -hmm. And so you do the thing a lot and you do the thing at home, do the thing that you know, like those are ways of getting that unique edge. Yeah. No, I think this is especially uh, relevant today just because the access to different things and there's new new products coming out all the time that people can can get access to. Obviously, crypto's the big one, uh, brand new thing that you know, 15 years ago didn't even exist. Um, and the accessibility to the types of deals that we do, multifamily syndications, there's developed deals, there's all sorts of things that people could start to get access to, which is fantastic. But I think a lot of people start to think that, um, you know, the grass is always greener. Like this new thing they heard about is the new thing that's going to take off, go to the moon, and it's going to leave them behind. And people tend to want to gravitate towards those things. And uh, I was chatting with somebody the other day who was asking me about uh, some investment advice, um, someone who has uh, some cash that they're going to have some access to, and they don't want to put it into the market, and they want to put it into um, you know, something, something else, right? They didn't really have it figured out beyond that. Uh, this is somebody who's invested in a few of our deals, and I was chatting with uh, this gal, and she was kind of asking me, like, what, what are the best opportunities out there? And I was like, honestly, the best stuff is primarily Beanie private babies. markets. Sorry, what? Beanie babies? Oh, uh, yeah, Beanie Babies, they're coming back. Okay, okay. But you were saying private markets? Yeah, private okay, markets. Pri- oh, pri- yeah, yeah, yeah. Private That's where you get Beanie Babies. generally uh, going to show you some better <laughs> opportunities than than the, the public markets. Um, and that's probably, I'd probably kind of start to zero in on, on that because this is somebody who has some real estate already. They've got their, their stocks situated. Maybe take a look at some other private stuff. And her next question was like, like what? And I was like, well, the world's your oyster. Like, there's there's infinitely so many things you could do, but you should probably find something that you have some uh, unique or specialized knowledge in. So that you can look at and say, hmm, this makes sense to me. A good example of this would be a physician friend of mine who's uh, getting into the angel investing game, and he's looking at, big surprise, stuff in the medical industry, right? Yep. He knows what he's looking at from that perspective. And so that's really where I think people need to be living is find something that you understand as opposed to what you think is like the next big thing. Like, forget yeah. that. Invest in what you know and you'll be good. And that's a, the, the medical industry one's a really good example because you showed me the decks on those. And I love angel investing, but I looked at them. I'm like, hard pass after it's five minutes because I'm like, I don't space. understand anything about this industry and how it's monetized, how it's customers, like how any of the contracts. I'm like, and I could learn all that stuff. And sure, right. this, there, this is literally a cure to cancer. Is it, right? You'd be like, I'm uh, a, AIDS. Oh, AIDS. Uh, a cancer of the uh, a cancer of the world uh, AIDS. Um, it's literally a cure for AIDS, and I'm like, 
I can't invest in this, and this will look like the stupidest thing in the in the world if in ten years from now it does in fact do that thing, and it like could have been a billion dollar thing. But I don't know anything about it. I know nothing about it. Yeah, I mean, you could tell me just about anything's the cure for AIDS, and I'd probably believe you because I just have no knowledge of medicine or, or any of that type of stuff. And so you could say that this random chemical concoction is the cure. And I'd be like, cool. oh, okay, All cool, right. that's here's good. My, here's my money. Is that? Do I just give you money do now, I just throw or it to you, or like, do you, <laughs> you shove take in your checks? <laughs> how do I? How do I do this? Anywho, okay. Um, number three, you ready for number three? I guess I love it. So, okay, so what was number one? Um, do it, do a, lot. it a lot. Number two, do it at home. Number three, do it with a partner. <laughs> Cute. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we need to? Do we need to explain? Does this that need one? to be unpacked? I don't yeah. know. Like, but yeah, let's go ahead and unpack it. Otherwise, we're just juvenile children who are making <laughs> funny do it jokes uh yeah i mean if you guys have listened to our content you know we we're big proponents of partners uh partnering with people right because you can't do all the things yourself um if you're self-aware enough you're you're going to be able to know that there's a certain small segment of things that you really enjoy and you're you're really good at and all the other stuff you need to try to fill in with something else um it could be a partner it could be um staff that you bring on board to help you out but uh having a partner is definitely a good way to de-risk a deal right theoretically they should be bringing some other skill sets that you don't have hopefully some track record a little bit of a balance sheet there to help mitigate the risk because theoretically they they're taking half of that off your plate if it's a 50 50 Mm -hmm. thing so another one uh on that same thing it ties into angel investing it ties to some questions we've gotten recently from prospective investors um which is like what happens if one of you gets hit by a bus like I know some angel investors who will not invest in a startup with only one founder. Cause they're like, what happens if that guy gets knocked out for yeah. some reason? So like, that's another way to look at the, the, the de-risking environment is having multiple heads is always better than just one. But I love also your, your explanation of like complementary skills and like two in the case of a good partnership equals, I'm sorry, one plus one in a good partnership equals far more than two. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 2.73. Like, pretty good so yeah those yeah. are three ways to de-risk an investment what do you think? about those buses man they're, they're everywhere this is how they get you because they lull you into a false sense of security and you think there's no way because i'm 36 years old and i've never been hit by a bus before i'm not 36 i don't know why i threw that out there i'm 37 turning 38 next month so i don't know how old i am but those buses like they have a good ring to it. yeah the the buses <laughs> that because i've never been hit by one i assume i never will so remember um, past uh, track record of success does not Im- Im- imply future success, right? So just because I've never been hit by a bus doesn't mean I'm never going to get hit by a bus. Just because I've been successful in real estate investing doesn't mean I'm going to be successful in real estate investing. So past performance is not indicative of future results. Whatever. You said it better. Yeah. I told you I'm getting old and this is what you come at me with. It's because you're playing hooky with buses, man. <laughs> That's not good. It's not good for you. Playing hooky with buses. Not hooky. Um, uh, chicken. Chicken? Yeah. I don't know what playing hooky. Chicken. Playing chicken <laughs> with buses. Play? It's you Friday. <laughs> and I thought playing I sounded bad with the, the past, past re- failures and future successes. <laughs> I still don't know how it goes. Anywho. All right, guys. It's Friday. We're tired. What do you want from us? Um, hopefully not more. This is it. This is all you get. Um, we're what do you scraping say, the bottom of the barrel today. You, and, and at the bottom of that barrel, um, just here scraping it. Oh, look, a book. Is it a good one? Um, I feel like you just peeled it off a sticky floor. Like, yep. That's, that's what I'm picturing. And, and what's interesting is that this, that might be where you have to go and find this book is like, 
interestingly enough, this book is out of print, not just out of print, but like it is the, the, the author of it pulled it um, and took away all rights to distribution and everything. Mm, like you cannot find this book. You cannot find it anywhere. Um, so, <laughs> so this might be a really weird book to recommend. Um, it's called Margin of Safety by Seth Klarman. Sounds like a book I'd like. Are you familiar? You don't know this book? No. Oh, interesting. I mean, apparently it's impossible I'm about to, to blow find, your mind. So You're about to blow your mind. Okay, so here's, this, here's, here's the skinny. If you guys know who Benjamin Graham is, you know, um, Warren Buffett's mentor, the guy who kind of like invented the, I, the concept of value investing. Legendary figure who taught it Warren and everything that they know. Now, Seth Klarman was this guy in the 80s and 90s and even today um, who is like this remarkable investor. And I think he's pretty much packed up his shop because he had such great results. He's like, I don't care anymore. Um, he's the guy that everybody else in that world of trading looks at and they were like, that guy's like legit. And he wrote this book called Margin of Safety, which is really like uh, version 2.0 of Benjamin Graham's Intelligent Investor, which is like the Bible of... Was it because it was like a strategy that he pulled it? But it's not really, yeah, it's like that, but it's also about the psychology of investing uh, mm. and the difference between speculation and investing. And he writes it in this incredibly accessible way. Um, the problem is it is a book that has become like this mythical cult figure now because it's so hard to find a copy of it. You have one. I do. Can I borrow one? I do have a copy of it. I have a PDF that I found. I, I dredged it up at the bottom of the internet on the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> And it is so good. It is you would love it. I know. Um, I could tell by the title and everything you just you said. You would love it, but I am not about to on air incriminate myself in the commission of a crime mm-hmm. by offering somebody a copy of this thing. I'm not gonna do so that. Even if you were to email no. me Anthony at Invictus Multifamily okay. and say, I don't care what you said, there's no chance I would give you a copy of the book. Even if you, so even if, if you ask really, really nicely, Anthony at Invictus Multifamily and said, "Hey, can you send me a copy of that book?" You I would be like, "I cannot do this." Wink, wink. I might be able to point you in the direction of a link, mm. or I wouldn't. I don't know. Probably I wouldn't. Who's but you just who's to say? <laughs> um, all it costs is an email and potentially me saying, uh, "Sorry, no." The FBI is camped out at my door because they listen to this podcast and now they're just they're they're. <laughs> They're on a stakeout. They're going to get uh, me. <laughs> Paul Tudor Jones did something similar. He had a documentary uh, made about him in like, the, I think it was like 85. It was like right before Black Monday. And uh, it, was, it was really fascinating because he's effectively just predicting the Black Monday crash in the documentary. And you get to watch him kill it uh, in the documentary. But he had the same, not the same, but his, his feelings were that that documentary showed too much of his process. Process. Yeah. And he actually spent a lot of money trying to get it all, you know, taken back and buying it back copies. And then, I mean, now yep. it's on YouTube. You could find it. Just search for Trader documentary Paul Tudor Jones. It's pretty good. Damn YouTube. Damn um, YouTube. Yeah, well, it's kind of the same thing. He's like, oh, this is too much information. Get get it back. <laughs> it's too good. Yeah, but um, this book is really good. Margin of Safety. Um, so, uh, for you listeners at home that want a copy, I th- think you know what to do. Mm. I don't know. Anyhow, um, I'm intrigued. You can't get a copy. You're the only one that. Hmm. You're the only one. All right. That. <laughs> any any parting words of wisdom or um, malice? Any parting words of malice? 
Passiveinvestingbook.com. Go buy it. That was very good, <laughs> but not quite accurate. Leave a review. Not quite accurate. Leave a review. It's thepassiveinvestingbook.com. Please. You got to put in the, otherwise it won't, it'll go to a different oh, book. Thepassiveinvestingbook.com. Go buy it. And while you're at it, while you're doing things, typing things into that little bar at the top of Google Chrome, just go ahead and go to iTunes.com, search for this podcast, mm-hmm. and leave a bunch of reviews. Or just one. Yeah. We'll take one. Just here's, one. Here, like here, 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 we're going to pull this episode. We're going to make it full circle. Go to iTunes. Do it a lot. Do it at home. Do it with a partner. Mm. Drop a review. With a partner. A lot of reviews. <laughs> Do it a lot, as many part, as many reviews as you can get, and um, go to all the different places. Uh, this episode should have been done like ten minutes ago, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, if we anybody's still out of listening to this, content about two minutes in. If anybody's still listening to this episode, <laughs> like they, they really get us, they really get us. Yeah, um, or they, re- a lot of they have a lot of regrets. One of the two has happened. So that's going to do it for us, everybody. We are, we apologize. Um, we'll do better next time. We'll see you in the sorry. next episode. Goodbye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.